You know, I haven't been up here since June 18th. It's been like five months. Thanks. Gracias. I just had to say it because Ivan has me on this kick right now. I want to learn Spanish. Well, it's okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just, I want to know Spanish. But I know a little more than Josiah, but he is helping coach a Spanish church, Hispanic church in Waltham. And he's actually probably going to learn more Spanish than me unless I get there and help some. But I don't know about that. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you so much for today, Father. I thank you so much for the baptisms. I thank you for the power of the Spirit moving in people's hearts, Lord. You're just so good. You're so kind to us. You're so, so powerful. I pray, Lord God, today that you would encounter our hearts fresh. Lord, do, do a new work in our midst, Father, I pray. I pray that there would be a moving of the Spirit upon every heart and every mind and every spirit in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. All right. Amen. The last time I shared, I, I preached a message called Choose Jesus. And it was about this quiet revival that's taking place in people's hearts. And it was about, you know, there's not all this fanfare and all this hype all over, but there is a deep, genuine, authentic work taking place in people's hearts. He's trying to change us. He's trying to restore, transform his bride. And we talked about all kinds of things. We talked about God challenging deep heart issues to bring us into the simplicity of Christ. Kind of challenging what are the real motives? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we come to church? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we serve in the church? These are the things that God was pressing back in June. And since then, we've had, we've had all kinds of things happen. We're in such a critical season of the Lord. There's been a clarion call to prepare for a very long time. It's been a consistent message of people speaking from their hearts. Prepare for what the Lord's going to do in us, in our hearts, in our family, in our church, in our nation. Stephanie and Noah both preached over the summer messages that were titled the same, Get Ready. It's been a constant theme, reinforced. Steve's preached for months about this. Remember the message, No Wiggle Room? Authentic faith, diligent pursuit, seeking the treasure of the Lord so that we can be satisfied all of these things, Josiah's exhorted on many occasions about transition, the process of the Lord. Dan shared on Sunday, we are in a transition season. Dan Lee shared out of Luke 8, 18, be careful how you hear. Don't diss it, miss it, or twist it. Remember that? Well, 
We are needed in God's plan. And he also said, we've been entrusted with more than we understand. And I want you to really get a hold of that. I feel like I just want to today just summarize and clarify, this is what the Lord is doing in our midst. And I'm telling you, there's so much that we minimize of what God is doing in this season. I don't think few really realize the importance of what he is doing, the preparation that is so critical that if we don't prepare, we won't be ready. Be like the virgins with no oil in our lamps. Let it not be so. That's why the enemy is trying to shake people loose, discourage them. And my advice to you is don't be discouraged. Don't be bewitched. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled by the enemy. He's trying to steal the seed and he's trying to steal the promise. He's trying to get you distracted. Where is Mike Pelletier? Is he here? I saw him. You got to get on and tell him I was asking publicly for him. Like I saw him and I was going to just say, it's so nice to have Mike here today. Mike, I hope you hear this recording. He's trying to get people to diss it, miss it, and twist it. There's significant reorientation, right? Dan calls to assess ourselves, use our time differently. And that's what I want to ask you. Are you using your time on what God has spoken to your heart that he wants to do? It's all about obedience to God. Go deeper in quality of relationships. Press deeper, press deeper. Receive healing of long-term issues in your heart. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you have like dealt with things in your heart and, and different things, vices, lies that you just can't seem to shake? Well, it's time. It's time. And we got to come out of that old formatting of saying, well, nothing's going to change. That is a lie. God is in the business of changing transforming, changing, shifting, causing us to be new. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are new. He wants to bring you into a new season, release new affections. It's one of the reasons I just step back. I'm like, God, I want to be ready for this new thing that you are going to do in our midst. I want to be fresh. I want to just give myself to just hearing, listening, receiving, being changed, being transformed. And that is it. It's just my summary of those notes. And on the way to church, I spent all morning just preparing and everything like that. And I just felt like on the way, God said, I want you to shift it up. And I'm going to preach to you like one of the, my favorite messages of all time. Um, I got to get my phone because, like I said, I don't have anything in print here. I want you to open up, though, if you would, to Genesis 26. Okay, Genesis 26, we're just going to start reading. We're going to read through this whole text, right? And we're going to talk about 
this whole thing and see what God is doing. I feel like it's a word in season for today, Marie. There was a famine in the land, verse 1. Why is there nothing on the screen in here? Because I came in here. Everything happens just when I come in here, in this room. You at Genesis 26? Okay. Genesis 26. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Now, I would say, Steve, that's pretty appropriate to the day we live in now, that we are in a famine in a lot of ways. Do you have anything to say about that? No. Okay. And if you think about it, think about our nation. We live in a very dark time. In our world, we live in a dark time. We live in a dark time economically. We live in a dark time spiritually, although there is a rumble you know, sounding from the land. There is a change. There's a shift. There's a moving of the spirit upon everything. Even in your season that you're walking in now, you know, many of you are struggling. It's a hard season. There's struggle. And when we prepare, preparation time is difficult. We're challenged to do things, to overcome fears, to step out, to do things we're not comfortable with. Growth is uncomfortable. Growth isn't fun. Going to the gym isn't fun until you break that barrier and then you become addicted to it. And you're like, can't miss the gym today. I got to go get my rush. Right, Daniel? (laughs) Because our bodies get used to the challenge and we start to just thrive on this release of adrenaline and this release of just all the other things that are released. (laughs) Now, this is just after Abraham had passed. So there's a father of the faith that literally led Isaac, Jacob, all of them, through this wilderness time into this place where God was leading them to establish their entire nation. This is right after this, right after the death of Abraham, the one that received the promise from God that you will be, you will multiply and fill the earth and be as numerous as the stars of the heaven. I'm going to fulfill this promise to you, Abraham. Father of the faith passes. And now he begins to release all of this to his son. It's a whole transition. It's a shift. It's changing of the guards. It's a shifting of promises from one generation to the next. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Does this sound familiar? If you know about the promise to Abraham, what did he say? While 
Abraham was in Ur. He said, leave this place and go to the land I've called you to. Same thing. God is reorienting his people and saying, listen, the promises I gave to the forefathers are now yours. And he reiterates these covenants. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth, another repeat of Genesis 12 again, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, let's just think about this for a second. This all hinges, the blessing of God hinges on what? Obedience. Obedience. Not tradition. Not what everybody else is doing. Obedience. Abraham obeyed God. You know, many of you who have families, you, your obedience is going to determine whether your children will be blessed or not by God. You have the opportunity to be a gatekeeper and extend the blessing, just like Abraham extended the blessing of God into his family and all those who were after him. He was faithful. He obeyed. He was a pure vessel and said, God, extend this. And God said, I'm extending my covenant, my blessing, my promises to you because your father obeyed me. And I think we don't understand the significance of the season we're in. God is shifting the guards. Right now, I think of like all the people who are spiritual fathers to me in New England have passed. They're gone. And it's been over the past five, 10 years. I've, I've lost all the fathers. And the whole time, God was just consoling me and saying, you know what? It's okay. They obeyed me. Now, now it's your turn. I'm passing these things to you. And we all enter into new roles of having to carry obedience and carry the promises. And it's dependent. It's, it's at the stake of our children. Like our disobedience, our obedience, it affects generations. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So we know that Isaac kind of fibbed said his wife was his sister. The king got mad at him, things like that. But I want to look through this. So we, we kind of see, we see the setting here. Abraham has passed. Isaac now has received the mandate to carry what his father had done, walk in obedience to God. And then God renews his covenants, repeats them, and says, I am going to do the same thing in you that I promised your father. There's a generational inheritance that's coming through, through the parent. And there's this famine. They're in a dark land. Isaac's dwelling in Gerar. We're going to just skip by all the sister drama, sister-wife drama. Verse 12, 
Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now, okay, again, they're in famine. But the people of God who are walking in obedience experience prosperity and blessing that defies their context. I think the first church I youth pastored in, it was pretty remarkable. We were in a real depression, a real slump economically. And the pastor at that time said, like, you know, we need to build a building. So they were, I think they were in an office park. We were in an office park. And we found this parcel of land and we started this massive renovation project. But it was in the middle of a massive recession. And I remember all through it, hearing them talk about it and having God provide. And this whole building went up like just this beautiful building and it consumed much energy, much time. But it was in the midst of this. And I remember the whole time people saying, they're building in the midst of this? And the pastor was just, he was quite full of faith and he just said, God will provide. It doesn't matter if it's dark or light or prosperous or, you know, depressed. God's going to provide, and he surely provided, and it was a testimony to the neighborhood. It was a testimony to the town because God's economy doesn't rest on earthly economies. God is a provider. He is a promise fulfiller. He wants to do things in your life and circumstances. They don't matter. Nothing hinders God's promises from coming to pass in your life. In fact, if it's extra dark outside, he loves to shine his light. Because he's like, ha, watch this. Watch me defy the systems of men. I don't care. Watch me release a bright burst of light in this darkness. Watch people's eyes. They're all going to squint and go, what was that? And Isaac sowed in this place of great famine and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. I'm telling you, folks, Hear what the Spirit is saying. He wants you to pursue him and obey him, and he is going to blow your minds of the provision. We still are not entering into this massive outpouring of souls. We've been given a promise in 2000, early 2000s, land, wealth, souls. We didn't pursue that. We pursued Jesus. He gave us this as a blueprint of, of just a general fulfillment of promises. And he fulfilled land. We had a land team that like, we were looking at two acre plots. I'm telling you, we weren't there. We weren't really thinking big enough. And God's like, no, I'm God. You don't get this. I have a bigger plan. And so we just said, you know, we almost put an offer on like, it's like two acres with this old mechanical garage, steel building thing. And we were going to build the church there. I mean, we wouldn't even, it would have been like, it was like not even half this building. And then Kit Plummer, he's like, I think, I think you ought to check out this property. Speaking of this property over there. And so I'm not going to tell that whole story. But all I'm saying is this land fulfillment is nothing like, like what we were looking for. We weren't like, Oh, it has to be very large and many buildings. And we were looking at this like little rinky-dink garage that would have been useless to us. 
Because God has bigger plans than we have, folks. That's why I'm challenging you. We got to connect with God, like for real. We need to look past our circumstances, look past all of the things that we've lived for years with, things in our heart that we said, how can I possibly be free? Well, it's time. It's time to be free. It's time to be full. It's time to see multiplication. It's time to see increase. But this land, wealth, souls thing is, you know, it's not, it's not this prosperity gospel, believe me, although it involves prosperity. God fulfilled the land portion, and he's still fulfilling it. We just keep expanding the borders, the boundaries, right? Because he's faithful, and he, he has a plan. And I'm just telling you, I don't even know the extent of what God wants to do. It is massive. I know that. There are people who aren't even saved. They're not even really vibrant parts of this church looking at me and challenging me, saying, you don't think big enough. And I'm like, what? They're like, no, you don't. You don't. The very fact that you're thinking of these plans in your mind, you don't think big enough. You need to think bigger. You need to like let God do what he wants to do. He is a big God. And I'm challenging you in the same way. And, you know, let it start with your heart. Like, get over this impossible thing that God can't possibly do this in my life. He can do far exceeding, greater, beyond anything that you could ask or think. You just got to be willing to, like, let go of the land that he's calling you out of. Let go of the place you're familiar with, you're comfortable with. I've learned to cope. I've learned to manage. It's time to step out and say, okay, Lord, take me to the new land. So this land, wealth, souls, we're in the middle of wealth. We aren't, we aren't even near the place. And this is why, this is what I use as like a, a metrics. In the same way we were overwhelmed with the provision of land, it went far beyond what we needed at that moment in time. We were all like, this is crazy. And that was only half of it. And then he gives us this other side, 100 acres. I think there's seven buildings, half of which are like occupied and renovated and used. Well, we use it all, but... But I'm saying it blew us away. We're like, this is amazing. That is going to be the metrics that determines, has God fulfilled the wealth phase? Has he blown us away beyond, exceedingly beyond everything we could even imagine or think? And that is all unto funding the greatest harvest we have ever even dreamt of. Forget about the first awakening, the second great awakening, Azusa Street, all of these revivals that we read about in church history. Nothing is going to compare to what God is going to do in our midst that we are headed right for. In the same way we're blown away by the land and we're going to be blown away by provision from God and his blessing. We're going to be floored with, it's going to be greater than the Jesus movement. We're going to be just swarmed with souls that are hungry for God and want Jesus. Millions, 
Millions, millions and millions of souls. This is not a day to be making concessions and not following obediently the living God. This is a day to be consecrated in heart, humble, willing, pliable, willing to do whatever he wants to do. No attachments to distractions of this world. Holy consecrated, fully given, working on a regular basis of preparing disciplines of the faith, spiritual disciplines. You don't like, you don't wait till you have millions of dollars in the bank to start giving. You give when you have nothing, like the widow. You consistently and dis, in a disciplined manner, you give out of what you get, an act of trust to God. You don't say, well, when I retire, I can really start serving the Lord. No, you start serving now when you don't have time. Everything you do, you do now. Everything's now. I live a balanced, holistic lifestyle where right now, with what I have, I am going to start being faithful to the Lord. I'm going to cultivate a heart after the Lord, and I'm going to demonstrate it with my action. I'm telling you, let's, like Dan Lee, we have, to, we have to assess ourselves. We have to assess ourselves. So I, I don't want to get into all that. I, I just want to lay out this vision, this land well souls, and that God is fulfilling this thing in our midst. We are living in the fulfillment of biblical proportion promise being fulfilled. <laughs> and it's not easy because things don't go like you think they should go. I'm telling you, I know this from experience. There's a frustration that you have to deal with because you're like, things aren't lining up exactly like I thought. And then you're like, whatever, Lord, just do what you want to do. I'm here. I'm letting my heart be pliable. I'm letting you change me. I, I'm willing to let things go differently than what I want. I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to be frustrated by my own self. Right? I'm willing to be frustrated with other people. just the whole time, keeping it framed properly that, oh, that frustrating person may just be a gift from the Lord. They're just drawing out where I need to grow. I'm telling you, folks, we have to have that sovereign perspective that God is truly in control of everything. Our spouses, our children, our parents, the whole board, our co-workers, our circumstances that were like, why, Lord? I thought. And you know, even thinking you did something out of obedience and you're like, why isn't this turning out like that? And I truly believe the Lord is saying, because I want to just see how your heart will respond and your perseverance. I want you to trust it's hard. And this is a situation that Isaac was in. Okay. We're going to shift gears and we're going to end on a really powerful, encouraging note. I wanted to set the stage though, to let you see, this is a relevant thing. We are, 
We're not in, you remember February 19th? Those two weeks, how glorious and how effortless it was? I mean, it was like honeymoon. It's beautiful, Steve. I love it when I see you and you are shaking and crying in the seat and won't go home till 5 a.m. Because it's so different than Steve normally is. I think it's so cool. Oh, everyone turn to your neighbor and say, I agree. <laughs> Steve, you got me on this. You're going to regret that one, buddy. I'm going to the other room before, I, before he like gets me in more trouble here. <laughs> Bye, guys. I just want to be over here with you a little bit, but I'm not leaving. I'm just passing all the people in the foyer who are just all sitting out there talking. It's amazing what happens... When you get to walk around the building and see everything. <laughs> They're all glaring at me right now. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's getting hot here. All right. <laughs> okay. Now, folks. How many of you can relate to some of the situations I shared? Like where you're at in your life, things like this, right? Okay, I'm going to give you a prescription, an assignment of what you can do and what God's calling us to do. We're going to follow the example of Isaac. He's there. He has all these promises. How many of you have promises from God? Like clear promises. Like you felt like God has spoken promises to you in prayer. If you, if you didn't raise your hand, it might be just because you don't want to raise your hand. But if you don't have any promises, I have the perfect prescription. Come and begin to pray. Because when you pray, God releases promises in your heart. He starts speaking to you. You'll be reading the word and it'll pop out and say, yo, you, that's what I want for you. And you'll be like, God, Really? Some of you need to do that. You just need to read the word and say, Spirit, speak to me. And let some promises. Some of you need some promises. Some of you need promises. You don't have promises in your heart. Or some of you have forgotten those promises. And you've let the enemy come in and squash you and discourage you. And God's like, I'm going to rekindle those. I'm going to breathe upon the on your heart, you're going to start dreaming again. You're going to start being like having butterflies in your belly. Like, remember anyone ever have that happen? You think about like, maybe it was when you first started dating this really pretty person or no, I'm sorry, pretty girl or handsome guy. You start getting these like, oh gosh, this one I'm talking about promises that you wake up in the first thing you're like, and you can't go to bed because they're just... They're rumbling through your head like you remember as a kid when you were going to the amusement park or vacation the next day and you could not go to sleep because you were just like, you were racing with excitement and anticipation. This is what God wants to rekindle in some of your hearts. So Isaac is in this place. He's received this promise. I'm sure that he is missing Abraham. We don't even realize, you know, we don't realize what we have until people disappear. <laughs> you know, that's some of you have 
fathers, mothers, whatever, brothers, sisters, but I, I know when I, when I lost my spiritual fathers, my two of them concurrently, you know, there's still days today, the grief is gone, but I'm like, man, too bad I couldn't just go out to dinner with them and just get the update and confer, and they're always just asking about me, no one else, right? That's what, that's what parents tend to do. It's nice to be special, right? And that's what, you know, we don't realize what happens. And Isaac lost Abraham. And so I'm sure he was thinking like, you know, gosh, what am I going to do? There's famine in the land. And then things get, get, get worse. But the whole time there's this underlying promise where God is blessing him a hundredfold in the midst of a famine. God the whole time is saying, I am here, Isaac. I'm going to reiterate the promises to your heart again. And then look at what happens. And this is where it gets really fun, folks. And it's a prescription for us. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. <laughs> for he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great number of servants. It's almost like Stephanie Foster. <laughs> now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dung, dug in the days of Abraham, his father. So what they would do is in these days, the first thing an enemy would do would be to take out water supply. Fill the wells. You can't live anywhere without water for more than three days. So what a convenient way the enemy would come fill the well with all kinds of rocks and dirt, and then there'd be no more water access. And this is what the Philistines did to Abraham, and Isaac is left in a place of no water anywhere, right? This is all part of this famine and no water. So Isaac, so, but there's still blessing. There's so much blessing upon him because remember what I said, it doesn't matter what's happening in our world, the economy, his nation, the famine, God blessed him a hundredfold, prospered him. Because God likes to shine through his people and say, my people have me as a God and I'm going to defy everything around them. Come on. So Abimelech, the king of the country that he was residing in, starts getting insecure. He's like, what is going on with this Isaac and his family? They're doing too well. And it's, they start getting a little bit afraid. So Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. You are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled over Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours! There was a fight over water. 
So what did he do? So first, he gets kicked out of where he's staying. Like, kicked out. He didn't just like, I think I'm going to look for a better place. My lease is expiring soon. No. The king said, get away from here. You're doing too well. Now, he could have a pity party, and he could start griping and complaining about Abimelech and say, God, what are you doing? You've abandoned me. Instead, he goes, let's go, guys. We're going to go, and we're going to just start walking. Because God also, if you remember, just promised right before this, I will take you to a land I have for you, right? He forgot that. No, he didn't. He remembered. And he encouraged himself in it. He said, come on, guys, let's go. Time to dig a well. We need water. So they start digging a well. The herdsmen start going, hey, that's, that's in our ground. That's our water. So there's a bunch of quarreling right now over this whole thing. So what did he do? Isaac started a fight. He armed all his men and said, we're going to kill these people and fight for this water. Ready? Oh, good. Astute Bible scholars that you are. You just read ahead, didn't you? <laughs> so the water's ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also. And he named that name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over that one. So he called the name Rehoboth. Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. And then he went up there from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, I am with you. Isn't God like so amazing and full of love? He's like constantly after us saying, hey, don't forget. Remember what I said? Remember what I said? Remember my promise? Remember I really do love you? I care for you? Remember when you feel alone? It's not true. I'm here. I'm with you always. I will bless you. And here he goes, re replying this, repeating the same promise that he did to Abraham as father, to him at the beginning of this chapter, and now again. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug another well. Folks, are you getting the pattern here? This well digging has become like a thing to do. When things go bad, what do you do? Someone turn to Steve Arsenal and say, hey, dig a well. <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, dig a well. When things go good, what do you do? So then, here's this Abimelech guy. That's the king that kicked him out of his country. Abimelech comes with his entourage. And the commander of the army. And Isaac said, why have you come to me? Since you hate me and have sent me away from you. 
Like, what's your problem? I left. I know you don't like me. Do you have to track me down all the way in another place? <laughs> they said, we, haven't, we, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. <laughs> so he said, let us now make an oath between us. Between you and us, let's make a covenant that you will not do us harm. Since we have not touched you, since we have done nothing but good and have sent you away in peace, you are now the blessed of the Lord. Folks, in my estimation, Isaac, sure, he got a lot of blessing, but his path has not been easy. He's literally been kicked out of a country, had to redig a well, and I don't know if you've ever done something like that, but do you know how hard it is to dig in rocky ground? It's like a rock, and then you have to somehow unwedge that rock, and then you hit more rocks. And this is a well that's like scores of feet deep. And so like you like need to hoist down, and you're like this, trying to like get in this little well, put things in a bucket, and pull these rocks all the way out until you're in water. Then what? You have to keep like going down in the water and putting things in the rocky bucket, and then tread water. And then you have to climb back out to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's not fun. And this guy has gone from place to place to place to place, redigging wells that were filled in by the enemy. And this king is coming saying, please make a peaceful covenant with us because we're afraid of you now. You are blessed of the Lord. See, some of you folks you don't realize you are blessed of the Lord and you're just looking at all the terrible things and all the lacks in your life and you're just complaining, saying, woe is me. Yet other people are going, you are blessed of the Lord. You are blessed of the Lord. The hand of God is on you. And we need to come out of our situation, circumstances with thankful hearts and realize how blessed we are. And silence the enemy and say, no, I am a blessed child of God. This is only the beginning of massive fulfillment of promise. And we need to dig a well. And then dig another well. So, so Isaac made them a feast and they ate and drank. They rose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away and they departed. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the wells which they had dug and said to them, we have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Folks, I'm telling you, we got to dig a well. We got to dig a well. We got to dig a well today. We got to dig a well tomorrow. We got to dig a well with our kids. We have to dig a well with our grandkids. We have to dig a well at work. We have to dig a well in the world. We got to just dig wells. And listen, when we're talking about this kind of thing, we're not talking about all this new activity. Some of you need to dig a well in your prayer block. It's about uncovering the fresh provision of God instead of settling for what he's already done in our life. It's about digging a fresh well of God, his water, his life, instead of sitting and complaining about your lack. It's about finding that fresh 
provision, finding that place of blessing from the Lord, letting his blessing pour out on your life. Some of you, if you'd get your eyes off of your, your mess and start looking to the Lord and thanking him and telling him how awesome he is, you would start realizing, oh, there's massive provision right in front of me. Look at what the Lord has given you. This is our word Dan gave is look, look at your resource and say, how can I use what I've been given to bless the Lord? So what are you going to do this week? <laughs> Come on, say dig a well. What are you going to do when things, when all hell breaks out in your life this week? Dig a well. Now, what does that look like? What does it look like? Because you leave here and you're like, oh, I'm pumped. I'm going to go dig a well. And when you, all hell breaks loose and this week, you're, you're going to just be like, I'm going to dig a well. Shoot, he didn't tell us how to dig a well. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Or when things go well, you know, so often we respond and react to God when things are bad. What about when things go well? Do we dig a well because things go well? What do we do? Like, I know what I do. Like, some of you might not pray in, 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 in tongues, but I love to dig a well by just going. Because the Bible says, rivers of living water flow from your belly, where that spirit, from your bowels, from your, the innermost part of your being. And I love to just sit and pray in the spirit and worship God. That's what I do. I just close out everything else and I just go, God, I'm going to dig a well right now. Thank you, God. And you could do it at work. You could just say, uh, I just got to go to the restroom for a second. I'll be right back. And you close that stall door and you start going, oh, Jesus, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. And you find that small window of place where no one else is around and you start digging a well. And you start crying out to God and you start drawing off of his strength and you start thanking him for what he's doing. You start lifting him up, telling him how great he is, telling him how magnificent he is. And all of a sudden you start sensing God's presence in your heart and you're like, oh, I'm actually feeling a little better. What's really a shame is why have we gotten to a place where this is new? When we can just take 30 seconds, and I don't know about you, in 30 seconds of just telling God how amazing he is and magnifying him and praising him and finding that place of thanksgiving and praise, all of a sudden I start saying, whoa, I actually feel pretty good. What if we start doing that throughout the day? And just acknowledging him, digging a well, and then when we get home, we dig a more substantial well. Say, I have a little more than 30 seconds here. I'm going to just find myself five minutes and dig a well 10 times the well that I dug at work. And then you find other times where you, you say, ooh, I think I want to dig a bigger well. Hey, Amy, I need you and Noah and Alex and Ev. Let's go dig a well tonight. We're going to go extra deep well, like wider well. And we can jump in and swim in it if we want. No, that's kind of gross. 
but you get the point. Big well. Start having, developing a culture and a community that's all about digging wells together. And I'm telling you, folks, we need God. We can't do this in our own human strength. We, we can't do it. We humans cannot do what our heart longs to be done. We need our creator, the God of the heavens and the earth, to begin to pour out and to begin to ignite our hearts and cause us to start to spark with this hunger and desire. When we start calling out to him, God does impossible things and he's going to fulfill promises in your heart. It is the season. Father, I just thank you. I praise you for your goodness. Father, I pray that with this word, you confirm it with signs and wonderings, deposits of, of hunger and thirsting after righteousness, and the accompanying promise that you will be filled. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We, we worship you for being so good. We thank you for your vast supply under the surface of this dirt and rock. We thank you, Lord God, that you are there. The trees are drawing off of all of your sustenance and strength. Father, cause us to be like trees planted by rivers of living water. Father, I pray you just break off doubt, break off unbelief in this place today, that you release faith and hunger and thirsting. Thank you for releasing hope in every heart and every mind, Father God. I thank you today would be a day of great impartation. Lord, I thank you for an increase of dreams and visions, a stirring in people's hearts that they could begin to sense and experience and grow in expectancy for the great things you're about ready to do in their lives, in this place, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Listen, we're going to just, we're going to seal this deal with communion today, and we can have um, Maddie's if you can come up here and Shattuck's in the other room and and what I'd like is I'd like the life group leaders to to line both sides of the communion table and I want to come up here and take communion today and you know this folks this is this is a nice gesture, what we do here. But this isn't like New Testament communion. New Testament communion happens in life group. When you go and you break bread together and you partake of drink, it's a meal. In the Bible, it was a meal where believers shared hearts and shared a meal in a home. We're doing this just because we're trying to broaden the experience. But this is just a symbolism of his body that was broken for us. And this cup that represents that blood that was shed on the cross. 
And what I want to do today is, as we've just shared about this and just this place of digging a well, you know, because it's not just a personal thing. You know that. I painted this whole picture of this personal digging a well experience where you get with the Lord and you're like, oh, Lord, thank you. That's your personal thing. But folks, there are, what we just read about were corporate wells. They were corporate wells where community had to come together and dig that well. And listen, folks, we've dug a lot of wells in nine months of prayer. And you can ask people doing the prayer, hey, are you, you always feeling like jumping up and down and running around because you're just so excited? No, sometimes it's some hard work. Talk to some of the people doing the night blocks and they're like, I think I might have fallen asleep. I was still talking, but falling asleep. And then I woke up saying, what am I saying? What am I doing? Hard work. It's hard work. But we're digging wells together. And as a community, we have to continue to dig wells. So many wells that there's living water springing up all over. That there's baptisms everywhere. Because people are coming to and the life of God is undeniable that's being released all over this place. That the testimony spreads far and wide. The town starts talking. You know how, many, how much of the town talked when we had it break out in our midst, this prayer thing? Because they kept, I, I would go to these different town meetings and they'd be like, what is going on at the church? I see cars coming and going at two, three in the morning. And I'm like, because we had prayer start and it hasn't stopped. And they're like, what? Really? So now when I go to these town meetings, they're like, has it stopped yet? I'm like, no, it hasn't stopped yet. It's a testimony. Folks, you don't realize the extent of what God is doing in our midst. You just don't realize it. We don't realize the extent of what he is doing in our midst. We need to get with him and have him open our minds and our hearts to see and understand. Lord, show me. Show me what you're doing. Show me. Speak your secrets, your mystery. Share it. I'm your friend. That's what he tells, the Bible says, he shares secrets with his friends. You're his friends, get it? But what I want to do is I want us to come forward like we usually do. We're just going to come down in, in one row in each room. Place your hands on the person in front of you. And just begin to thank God that you, he has made you part of this body, a living body of Christ that's joined together with his blood. Broken body on that cross. You're joined together heart to heart. washed clean, called out, adopted, chosen by him to be his and him to be yours. And then as you partake of communion, I'm just going to have these folks just kind of break up so you have half of you on each side. And then I want these folks, as you come down, just kind of go one row this way, one row this way. And they're, they're not going to stop and pray for you, but they're just going to be praying for you as you pass by and praying for God's blessing, praying for revelation, praying for insight, praying for understanding, praying that this week is a powerful week where you break into fresh water, fresh relationship with God, fresh hunger, fresh thirsting, where you're going to start having like this, this thing well up that says, I want to dig some wells this week. 
Lord, I want you. I want a fresh touch from you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We just thank you for your body that was broken on the cross. We do this in remembrance of you, Lord. And even at Life Group, we, we come. Forgive us for taking you for granted. We come next time to break bread and, and determine in our hearts we're going to remember the Lord's Supper, your amazing sacrifice on the cross. Let it be fresh. Forgive us, Father, for familiarity. We just thank you for that cup that we partake in. We thank you. You took the cup of demons so that we could have your cup. Thank you, Lord God, for the cup of blessing and regeneration and washing and healing. That we are as white as snow. All sins are gone. Behold, all things become new. You do a new thing, Lord, in our midst right now as we partake and take upon our hearts fresh the sacrifice of the cross.